0: Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles with you, turn them on or flip them open to Luke chapter 15. Uh, we're going to spend a good bit of time in uh, this chapter, not only today but also next Sunday and the Sunday after that. Uh, it's a passage. Uh, well, there we go. Uh, it's a passage that we are going to be looking at in great detail. It's one that you're probably really, really familiar with. Uh, it's going to be the uh, the parable of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, it's probably one of the most famous uh, parables, uh, second only to the, uh, the Good Samaritan. It's the one that most people are pretty familiar with. And we like it for all of, of the same reasons, most of us, because we can identify with one of the characters. Uh, not the most important character, mind you, but certainly one of the most memorable characters that we find in Luke chapter 15, and in fact, in all of Jesus' Uh, parables. But before we go any further into this, I just want to take a, a moment and spend some time in prayer uh, to bless our study and ask God uh, to be glorified through this. Father God, thank you for re- revealing yourself in a very powerful way uh, through Luke chapter 15. Lord, as we study this parable, I pray that we will be able to uh, to see uh, what you're calling all of us to, uh, and in some ways calling us from. And So Lord, I'm just, I'm thankful Uh, for the opportunity to open up Your Word and I pray that it will pierce our hearts uh, and it will transform our lives. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. If I am going to uh, uh, set this up and and make a movie about Luke chapter 15 about the parable of the lost son, uh, I'm going to need to to get a cast of characters. And so there's three main characters uh, in this parable. They are who? The, The Father... The older son, and the younger son. But that's not all of them, but those are the important ones. We also have a a, a cast, some extras in there. Can anybody think of some of the extras that we have in Luke chapter 15? We're going to have the friends who are in the far country. We're going to have the pigs. Uh, Got to have uh, Wilbur in there. We're also going to have some servants that are going to be mentioned later on, and then there's going to be some reference to some some prostitutes uh, even beyond that. So there's several different characters that would be cast for this particular movie. If we're looking at as far as the Bible go and what Jesus is trying to teach, we would look at the context. But this morning, I'm going to beg you not to look at the context. Whatever you do, don't read Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Don't do it. I'm, your head just went down and you started reading. Don't read it. What Jesus, I think, is trying to say through this parable is not always what we glean from it who we think is the most important character in this story, I don't think Jesus would identify as the most important character. And we're going to talk about that next week. But this week, we're going to talk about the character that we love to talk about and the one that probably most of us can identify with in some ways. And that is the story of the younger son. So, let's pick up, we're going to be starting in verse 11. This is going to be the third parable in a row. Don't read the first two parables. You'll get the context and you'll just completely miss what I'm trying to avoid here. So hang with me here. Verse 11 of Luke chapter 15. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my my share of the estate. Okay, we have to stop there because we all know this is the craziest, most outlandish request that you can imagine for today and especially back then. What is he asking for? He says, I want my inheritance. We know this. What does it take for an inheritance to be given? What has to happen? Someone has to die. You don't get and you don't inherit something. You don't get your inheritance before the perp- person who has it is still alive. That was the case back then just as it is right now. And so when the younger son goes and says, "I want my share of the inheritance." He's really saying, "Dad, you're dead to me. I want your stuff more than I want you." I want Your stuff more than I want You. Now, we would never say that to God. We would never say, God, I want Your blessings more than I want a relationship with You. Our prayer lives would never look like that. We would never go to God with, God, I want this, 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 and amen, which means hang up. We always desire a deep relationship, so we can't really in any way identify with the younger son, can we? Well, I, I don't know. Maybe I can just a little bit. Verse 12 continues on. And this is where it gets crazy. So He, the Father, divided His property between them. Okay, there's a couple things I want us to know. First off is, what? What? As Jesus would have been telling this story, The listeners then would have said, what? And as I listen to that story, as I read it over and I think about it again, I say, what? That's not right. If my son were to come to me when I'm still alive, why you do this, we'll have words. You come to me and say, Dad, I don't really care about you anymore. I just want the stuff that I'm going to get when you die, so just go ahead and give it to me now. Okay. Do You think that's what would have happened? But here's another thing I really want you to think about. The word that the NIV uses is he says he divided his what? His property. Now, there's a couple things into that. First off, you you would think if somebody says, I want my share of the estate, then you think, well, okay, I'm going to cut you a check. Uh, This is not the older son. This is the younger son. And according to Jewish law, The oldest son gets a double portion of the estate. So, we're going to dig deep and we're going to do a little bit of math here. Okay? The son, younger son in this case, there's two of them. The younger son gets a portion. Okay? The older son gets a double portion, which means he gets what? Double that the younger son gets. Okay, so all you math wizards out there, what percentage does the younger son get? 33%. He gets one-third because the double portion, two-thirds, go to the older brother. You think that might have been a burr in his saddle just a little bit, knowing that growing up? You think maybe that had something to do with the fact that listen I'm not gonna get it all anyway, so I'll just take my third anyway. I, I mean my brother's gonna get twice as much as me, which is not fair. Well, hang on to that because we're gonna talk about that in class. That's my spoiler alert. Come that's my teaser, the carrot I'm gonna hang out. But listen to this. So first off, when he says property, okay, he's not saying I'm gonna cut you a check for a third. What what does property indicate? It's something that's tangible. It's something that's there. It's something that in order to to be able to divide, you had to liquidate. So a third of everything in that house belongs to the younger son. And so that means that if they've got 300 acres, they've got to sell off 100 acres. If they have 600 head of cattle, that means that they're going to sell off 200 head of cattle. If they have pigs, they don't have pigs because they're good Jewish people. What were you thinking? But everything they had, they would have divided up. It wasn't just a simple amount of there would be a few digits missing in their account. It meant that they would have lost servants, that they would have lost land, that they would have lost heads of cattle, and this is what is going on. But listen to this. The Greek goes even deeper. The word that we translate translate as property is the Greek word bios. Do we have any science teachers in here? What does bios mean? If you're studying biology, what are you studying? Life. Jesus says that the Father divided His Life. You think that's a little prophetic of what Jesus Himself later would do? That there would be this division. It wasn't just about cattle. It wasn't about land. It wasn't about a check or a little bit of an inheritance. This would be life that would have to be divided. But there seems to be no discussion, no questioning. The father just does it. He divides the life, his life, between them. Verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And so if there was any question as to whether or not the younger son wanted to hang around and have a relationship with good old dad, that seemed to end the moment he packed his bags and says, I'm out of here. It doesn't say, you know what, dad, I want to have my own place. There's an apartment down the road I'm going to rent. Does it say that? Does it say that he's going to move a few blocks over? I'm going to go hang out with some friends. We're going to get a place there. Does it say, I'm going to go, oh, you know, just one city over so I can come back and I can use the washing machine. He doesn't say anything like this. It says, he left and went off. It's going to be described as the far country. The distant country. Well, maybe he's there, he's going to make a new life for himself. And he has an opportunity to be the man that his parents raised him to be. And he has an, he's basically treating this as a mission trip. It's an opportunity for him to spread the Gospel to other places, right? We know the story too well. And there, the young son squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, we're only left to speculate what wild living means, but later on, we're going to hear from the older son who has a better idea of just exactly how he spent his money. Verse 14, After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to need be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Boy, it was a roller coaster. It was fun, wasn't it? He had a third of everything that his parents had saved up and earned over the years that had been passed down over and over again. Those fields, those cattle, those servants, they had been in the family for a long time and they would be passed down and continued to go on for that family and just like that, he sells it and it's gone. He goes and spends it all and the money is gone and there's a famine so the food is gone and because the, the money and the food are gone, guess what? The friends are gone. And he's left with nothing. And again, Listen to this story told by Jesus through the ears of the Jewish people in whom He was addressing. And as He's talking to them, He says, He's broke. He's got nothing. And I know what they're thinking, and next week we're going to talk a little bit about it. You know what they're thinking too as they're listening to this. But they get hung up on this word. He goes out to feed the pigs those filthy, disgusting animals. I personally don't have a problem with a pig. I don't raise pigs. I don't know that I've ever been around one. But I eat them all the time. I don't have a problem with ham. I personally love bacon. That's not unclean to me. But to Jewish people, you didn't mess with a pig. That was for the Gentiles, and even worse, that was for the Samaritans. But but not a good Jew. You didn't eat pig. You didn't hang around people who had pigs. You certainly didn't own one. And here he was just literally rolling with the pigs. Now again, I'm I'm a city slicker. I don't know a whole lot about this stuff. But I'm just I'm going out on a limb. I don't know for sure, but I think I think pigs probably stink. I'm guessing they smell bad. I mean, just, come on people, they're pigs. I mean, when you think of something that's gross and disgusting, you see somebody doing something that's really gross, you go, man, you're a pig. And this is where he was. He was right in the middle of these pigs like a good Jewish boy should never be. And not only is he with the pigs, but he is coveting what the pigs have. The pigs have it better than he does. He looks at what they're eating and, and longs to eat it. I wish I had some pig food to eat. I mean, he's hungry. You've been there, right before, haven't you? Where you been? I'm hungry. Like, I'm starving. We say that a lot, don't we? I'm starving. I had not eaten since this morning, and it's nearly 12.30. I'm starving. Some of you right now thinking, I wish you would hurry and finish. Because I'm starving. This kid is hungry beyond the point where he's not just saying, I wouldn't mind to eat the pig. He said, I'll even eat what the pig is eating. I'm so hungry. Stomach was hurting his head was hurting he was at the very lowest and says just to survive i will eat what the pigs are eating but no one gave him anything it's one of my favorite verses i just i to me i mean it's just like if you can imagine making this movie, what you would do to see the, the, the change in the scene. I don't know, it had have to take some kind of music and some lighting that would all of a sudden change. Because in verse 17 it says, and when he came to his what? Senses. I, I mean, I, what kind of sound do you use? I mean, he's like, ding! Like, what would have happened? It would have had to have been something so much greater than that. When he came to his senses, I'm a long ways off. And I'm broke. And I'm hungry. And I've wasted all my money. And he has all these feelings of guilt and remorse and self-hatred and loathing. But he says when he came to his senses, he says, how many of my fathers... What does he say? This is an important point. Hired men have food to spare and I am here starving to death. Okay, so we've got to make sure we catch what he's saying here. Sometimes we just assume what, what it says when he says, I'm going to go back and I'm going to hang out at my father's house and I'm going to be one of his servants. Notice that he doesn't use the word servant because there's a big difference in that culture between being a servant and being a hired hand. Okay, He said, I want to be one of the hired men. A servant, gets. guess what? They belong to the family. They live on the property where the family lives. They're a part of the family. Now, they might not have all of the same rights and all of the, of the same privileges as a family member, but let me tell you, being a servant is a whole lot better than being a hired man. He doesn't even say, let me come live in the servant's quarters. He says, let me be a hired man. Let me just come there. I can be a day worker. I know I can't live there, but but maybe if if I go back and I start working for you, if you can give me just an hourly wage, then maybe I can start paying back some of my debt because I know I don't deserve to be your son, and I shouldn't even be a servant, but if you could just give me a chance, maybe I can start making up for the mistakes that I've made and the pain that I've caused. We don't know how long this would have taken place. Surely, it's not uber important as it was just a story that Jesus made up, but I imagine that in this story, There would have been several nights, hungry, sleepless, cold nights, where he laid there all alone and thought about what life was like and how he had ruined everything. I mean, it wasn't just the fact that his father and his family lost a good bit of money and, and some land and. It was the shame that he had brought on his family. Later on, we're going to find out that word gets back to the family. So it was the talk of the town. Man, his dad was so stupid. That's what they were saying in the coffee shops when they gathered around together. How dumb do you have to be? Your son comes and says he wants his money. You should have kicked him out and never let him back in. But oh, that was a great idea. Just split up your land. Hurt your entire family. And guess what happens? He goes and he wastes the money. What a joke. What kind of father are you that you would do that? that you would allow that. The shame was not only felt in the pig pen in the far country. It was lived out among the entire family who were back home wondering what the younger son was doing. But when he came to his sin, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will go out, I will set out and go back to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. And that's where we're stopping today. You can read ahead now. After we get done, we're going to have a song of invitation. Go home, you're reading the Gospels. You're probably not in Luke yet, but if you are, go ahead and pick up. You can read your section, and you can read Luke 15. And this time, I want you to read verse 1. Because next week, we're going to talk about who I believe is really one of the main characters in the story of the prodigal son, and why we should really rename this story altogether. I don't want you to get too excited, but I do want you to know this. The younger son is not going to get what he deserves. And he is going to get something he doesn't deserve. It's the story of grace, and it's why we're here this morning. Maybe you're still off in that far country. Maybe you've been hanging around the pigs, and you know that life, it just stinks. And you're thinking about, well, maybe I can do enough and start walking back home. I know God really won't accept me, but maybe I can work my way back into this. Well, that's that's pretty bad theology, because we're going to find out in a couple weeks how you're going to be welcomed back. But let me tell you right now, the invitation is open. Come to your senses. Leave the life that you're in and come back home to the Father who just might be waiting for you. Come now as we stand and sing this morning.